I am uh, hanging in there. I think this is probably the best way to describe it. How are you doing? I'm also hanging in there. 2020, hanging in there. <laughs> yeah. uh, this has been a very trying year for a lot of us, uh, but we want to talk a little bit about the Clippers, mostly the Clippers of yonder year. It's Mother's Day right now, which is significant for the Clippers' recent playoff history because the Clippers came back from down like 17 or something in the fourth quarter against the Thunder uh on mother's day that was game four before game five happened that's a game that we could maybe talk about later in the future but uh we wanted to talk about game seven against the san antonio spurs round one 2015 Mm -hmm. uh which was a great game rob and i have kind of uh watched most of this game again uh throughout today with the intent of kind of talking about it because it was a great game and we've been seeing it on nba tv and highlighted every once in a while through some social media stuff, and it was worth kind of talking about again. So before we start talking about this game, Rob, where were you for for Game 7? I was – I'm trying to go back here. So that was five years ago. I was in – I was at home. I was at home. I was just home from college, I think. Um, Yeah, I was definitely at home. I think I was really recently arrived from home, actually, after my sophomore year of college, and I was watching this in my living room, Um, and it was insane. Um, My dad was probably there, too, as he's a Clippers fan. Uh, My mom was probably not watching, but yeah, we were were watching, probably having a beer, Um, and I remember going crazy when Chris Paul hit that shot. you know, we'll talk about the shot <laughs> later. Um, yeah, Chris Paul did hit a big shot. Um, but, yeah, that's that's where I was. So this was actually on a YouTube link uh, that I saw, and it actually was called CP3 Called's Game. And when I initially saw that, I thought that he was actually <laughs> doing color commentary on the game. And I was like, awesome. Chris Paul, like, did one of those things. Because I think Kevin Durant did something similar yeah. in some of his games. So I thought Chris Paul was actually calling the game without realizing it was just saying that he – he won the game, which he did. Uh, spoiler. But uh, I was in downtown Brooklyn at Buffalo Wild Wings, uh, right next to where the Nets Arena is. And it was me, a uh, couple of my friends, one of my really good friends, um, who is also a massive Clipper fan, was with me. Uh, a couple of our friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody had had some drinks in. I was wearing uh, my Blake Griffin jersey. I was very, very, very... Uh, high strung the whole game <laughs> and I was surrounded by fans who were, I don't think I don't think there was there was really a vibe on who anybody was rooting for but our table was very loudly rooting for the Clippers and it was fairly obvious that I was very very nervous throughout the game so that that was a great time I went to Target immediately afterwards with my friends and we were just like we're walking around and I was probably the happiest I've ever been in my life I don't know I don't know <laughs> <laughs> I was really, really happy. It was a great moment. Uh, it was really prideful coming back in a Clipper jersey because everybody I kind of knew about the game. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, it was fun. It was fun. I would wear that same Blake Griffin jersey to later playoff moments that will not be talked about um, in that season. But yeah, uh, it was a, it was a great, it was a great night. Um, the Pacquiao fight, the Mayweather Pacquiao fight, was that night too. Mm-hmm. Um, it was kind of a really hyped sports night. The game seven was being hyped like crazy, anyways, because the teams were ridiculously close like throughout um 
I think like the series difference in, in the games where it was like barely anything. It was like two points or something ridiculous like that. There was one blowout the Clippers had in game one, a blowout the Spurs had in game three, and every other game was super, super tight. Um, so it was like a legendary first round series. I think that if there is some sort of comparison between first round series and, and NBA history, this series probably will be held pretty highly. So um, yeah. Yeah, so I think we can talk about the game a bit. So we can, uh, we can kind of. I kind of have the play-by-play in front of me. Now we've watched the game. Um, so the game kind of just started. I mean, the first quarter was pretty momentous. Chris, I mean, Kawhi hit a shot. Chris hit a shot. There's some free throws that were made. Really, the biggest thing that happened in this first quarter, the Spurs got ahead by a bit early on. The Clippers did look like they had a bit of nerves. The biggest lead of the game was 13-6. Uh, the Spurs were up by seven. And I don't think any team got close to that. Every and maybe both teams got maybe five or six occasionally, um, but that was essentially the biggest lead of the game. Uh, both teams, you know, the Clippers seemed a little tight. Blake Griffin had a lot of energy, but uh, and was super super excited. But he was getting doubled all the time. Um, whenever he would catch the ball, the double was pretty close to coming. Chris Paul was mostly single coverage, um, and it was just kind of a fun first quarter. Um, the big thing that happened was Chris Paul hit a three-pointer um, from, I want to say, the right angle. And as he was running back, he held his hamstring mm-hmm. and he was subbed out. So that that was essentially the biggest thing that happened in the game. That happened at about – so the, the Clippers went up 23-22. Yeah, the two-minute mark. And Paul went running back and he held his left hamstring and he was subbed out immediately and he went to the back. So that was really – the most nerve-wracking thing. Jamal Crawford hit a couple of shots. This was not a great Jamal Crawford game, but he hit some timely buckets, especially he had one at the end of the game, a driving layup, and he had some big shots to close his quarter. Uh, that kind of kept the Clippers afloat. They were down 30-28 to 28, uh, at the end of one. Um, anything you kind of wanted to mention in that first quarter, Rob? Not really. Um, I think, you know, the nerves point is good. Like, the Clippers definitely seem to have some. It wasn't as bad as it would be in the coming years where it seemed like every time there was, like, a close game or a tight game, they just blow it. They just have never had any confidence in themselves. But I think, you know, in this series, um, this was, like, the defining series of, of the of the Lob City era. Um, and they, they really played like it. Like you said, a little bit of nerves to start, but they came right back. Um, Blake Griffin, as he was the entire series, was incredible. Like you said, the, the Spurs were basically double-teaming him because he was just so good, and they couldn't do anything to stop him. Um, and the Chris Paul injury is just, wow. <laughs> um, he just drained that three, hurt his hamstring, basically really summing up you know, Chris Paul's career, which was amazing plays with just like very poorly timed injuries. Um, too, which was which would come up later in his career yeah. and earlier in his career. So yeah, yeah. But no, outside of that, I mean, it was just as the entire series was like you mentioned, games one and three were were not super close. But outside of that, just a really well played, high execution, you know, series between two very, very, very good teams. Matt Barnes had ten points in this first quarter, mm-hmm. a couple couple of threes. Uh, Kawhi Leonard started this game guarding um, guarding JJ Redick, which was kind of a theme throughout. This series, Greg Popovich was really was really uh, not shy about mentioning uh, having having cut JJ Redick out of the offense early on, and so Kawhi Leonard was guarding him early in the offense. 
uh, watching who quite guarded was kind of an interesting thing throughout this game because he kind of he kind of guarded Redick hard to start the game and then didn't guard him again until quite a bit later into the fourth quarter, which will be kind of important. Um, yeah, I mean, it was just a well it was just a well played first few minutes of play. Jamal had some big shots. It was not shy at all, despite the fact that he had some good defenders guarding him throughout the game. Um, up next to the second quarter, uh, the second quarter remained tight. There's really not terribly much to mention from the second, aside from the fact that Chris did come back. The team happened to essentially stay close and get a lead back um, while Chris Paul was was out. But then when he came back, I want to say it was 39-38. They were down one. Um, DeAndre Jordan was huge this whole game. He had lots of second-chance opportunities. Um, he was really underrated, even though he would later get subbed out to go small. But he played a big role early on, just cleaning up people's misses and hitting, getting, getting big offensive rebounds. Um, yeah, I mean, it was just a close second quarter. They were just kind of going back and forth. And Chris Paul made some huge shots, looked kind of healthy, but on defense just never looked the same. He could not, like, especially guarding Tony Parker, which why would you do that? He could never really run by screens. His lateral movement was not there. You could tell he was hurt, even though he had spurts where he looked like Chris Paul of old. The first shot he hit when he came back was, like, this crazy, um, was this awesome, really hard mid-range shot from, like, the left, um, from, like, left mid-range in the corner. And uh, he looked great. For a moment, it thought you thought that he was fine, but he was not fine. Actually... I think in the third quarter he got he, he hurt himself again and he kind of reached for his hamstring again. Yeah. Um. But he looked okay. He looked for a minute, but it was frustrating and the game was close to end the second. It was it was fifty seven fifty five. Um. Boris Diaw hit a three to close the quarter. Boris Diaw was really good in this series. Um, Boris, Boris Diaw had a really kind of underrated Spurs career. I feel like is yeah. Boris Diaw a Hall of Famer? No? no, is it, is it, is it mean, outright no, or is it like no, an arguable that's an, no? That's an that's an outright no. I mean, I think the international stuff is kind of a wild card. Um, but I just I don't think he was good enough. He was never an all star. He was never all NBA. He was never all defense. Um, he had a really good NBA career and like a very good international career as part of some like really good French teams. But I don't think he's there. I mean, it really depends. Like, not to get too off track, but like I think you know one of the best things Bill Simmons has done was in his basketball book um like kind of redoing the hall of fame um and then kind of his redone hall of fame and what i think the hall of fame should be boris dial would be in it not because he was like a legendary player but just because he was kind of singular um really cool um just everybody loved boris dial like i think he should be in a basketball hall of fame but in the in the one that is currently around and based on the current parameters no um, but he was really good. Also, like a one of those guys who always kind of gave Blake trouble, um, even though Blake yeah. just destroyed him and everybody the series. But um, was kind of like a sneaky Blake stopper at times, just because it was really tough to move him. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it was this game was just always fearing for Chris's hamstring and um, like just could the Clippers, you know, get enough. Um, you know, because the Spurs were really – it really never felt like the Clippers were stopping the Spurs, even though they did. Um, there were plenty of stretches where the Spurs did not score a lot. Um, you know, especially in that third quarter, both teams were kind of cold. Um, 
just the way the Spurs moved the ball, you always felt like they were getting decent looks and just like wondering if the Clippers could continue creating offense and, and not have the nerves get tight on them was kind of a big worry. Yeah, some halftime stats. J.J. Redick was cold, 1 of 6, 1 of 4 from 3. Uh, really not a very good game up to this point. Blake Griffin had 13 and 6 with 2 assists, 4 of 7 from the field, 5 of 6 from the line. Chris Paul was hyper-efficient this whole game, 9 points, 3 or 4 from the field, 1 3. DJ had eight boards, three offensive at six points. Um, Matt Barnes had his 10 points from the first quarter. Jamal Crawford was better than I remember in, in the first half. Um, he cooled down a little bit more, but he was five of eight from the field and two of two from three. Um, and then the rest of the team also existed. Glenn Davis, uh, big baby, had some big shots. Um, and it was timely throughout his playoff run here. He was playing on a broken foot right now, too. Uh, two of four from the field um, and four points. The Spurs, um, the Spurs, on the other hand, Duncan was five of seven from the field for the 13 points. Really just a contribution from across the board. Eight from Tony uh, Parker. Yep. Eight, from, eight from Danny Green. Eight from Boris Diaw. Kawhi had nine. Um, Tiago Splitter had four. Uh, just a really well-balanced team. They had a great rotation this year. That was mm-hmm. mostly carried over from the year before. So when they won a championship, so this was uh, this was this was fun. And uh, now the third quarter was next. Um, third quarter had a ton of its own anxiety. Um, so let's jump into that. Sorry, I'm kind of back here. But yeah, so really the third, what the third quarter mostly felt like, there was just a lot of just back and forth. The third, the fourth, especially the fourth, was just really just the team going back and forth mostly. When I'm looking at the play-by-play, not much really sticks out. I mean, Chris Paul continued to be fantastic from three. Really, he had a couple of threes that really kept the team close um, after what felt like uh, was one, one of the more successful Clipper runs. The Clippers were up 59-65 on a Chris Paul three with like 8.45 left. That has to have been their biggest lead of the game. And then the Spurs got back into it um, just with the usual Tim Duncan, Danny Green, uh, Tony Parkers, everybody kind of contributing to get back in. Uh, Austin Rivers was briefly in the game. I don't think Austin Rivers really did much this game. Um, not that it's really his fault. This was, uh, you know, it's a t- tough series for Austin Rivers um but really this third quarter was just really really tight um the biggest thing that kind of stood out was aside from the early lead and Chris Paul hitting some threes under pressure was the end of this quarter which was which show which uh, had that foul by Austin Rivers the biggest contribution Austin had in this game was a foul on Mano Ginobili to end the quarter uh and Ginobili had three free throws and made two of them and Doc was like in like just fuming Chris Paul also kind of re-injured his hamstring on a Tony Parker drive and was concerning but didn't come out of the game and then Paul hit that incredible banking three-pointer to close the quarter Mm -hmm. uh, put the Clippers back up that kind of um, regained some momentum not really much to say about this quarter Um, it was just kind of a back and forth affair and Paul was great. Um, Griffin had some nice had some nice uh, plays too, uh, with assists and shots. And uh, yeah, it was it was kind of, you know, just a drag out quarter. Both teams barely like even got past. It was seventy eight seventy nine at the end of the third, and it was it was uh, and it was fifty five was it fifty five fifty seven. So it was a really low scoring quarter. 
And uh, it was just kind of a dogfight. Both teams knew each other's moves really well. Uh, Kawhi was guarding a lot of Crawford. I always remembered at the end of the third quarters, there was always a portion of the game where uh, Jamal Crawford was guarding Kawhi Leonard. And I would always be like, oh, my God. And I would always be, like, really, really nervous. Luckily, Kawhi didn't really take too much advantage of it. He had a shot. But that was it. Kawhi was not great in this game. No, he was uh, not. At all. Uh, And I think a lot of it, you know, it's really hard. It's... I would love to hear what Kawhi has to say about this series. Just like guarding Redick to start games it must be tiring. I don't know if that was part of it. I don't know if there was an idea that we're not going to just give Kawhi the ball because there was nobody on the Clippers who could defend him. This was not when Kawhi Leonard was superstar offensive Kawhi Leonard. Um, that kind of happened the year after or so. Um, but this was this was still all defender Kawhi Leonard. And... I kind of wonder how Kawhi looks back at this series if ever he's, like, asked about this series and how he could have approached it differently, what the Spurs' mantra was. Because he had a 30-plus point in Game 3, I want to say. And that was, a, that was a game where the Clippers got destroyed in San Antonio. So I kind of wonder if they regret going to Kawhi more because he really didn't get his share of looks kind of a curious thing but yeah Kawhi was guarding Crawford a bit this this quarter uh he did guard uh, Chris Paul a bit um at the end of the second quarter uh and was guarding Crawford a bunch of this quarter and then in the fourth he would guard Paul and then would switch to Redick to close the game which we'll talk about in a second anything from this third quarter you remember Rob? Again, I think mostly just Chris Paul, you know, with his three-point shooting really stood out. Um, you know, like like you said, like this was not a very high-scoring quarter, 23-22. Um, neither team was really able to get going. Lots of really good defense. Again, um, the Spurs were trying to shut down JJ. He had that one three midway through the quarter, but that was about it. Um, and as we saw time and again, when, you know, when teams mucked up JJ, um, they really mucked up the Clippers' offense. And I think this is one of the quarters where they were really able to do that. This one, I think the second one, they were very effective in kind of slowing him down. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it was it was fun. And then really the end of the third quarter, when Chris Paul made that shot, I was like, you know, maybe maybe this is a sign that the Clippers can actually win this one. Um, it seemed like one of those things that never happened to the Clippers, um, that always happened against the Clippers, uh, and then it happened for them, and it was it was crazy. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was also just a race against time with with Chris Paul's hamstring. Just like, Absolutely. could he make it to the end of the game? He kept, as you said, he kept seeming to re-injure it and like kept pulling at it. And it was like, can he actually finish this game? How effective can he be? Will the Spurs try to punish him on defense? Um, it was just, it was a very hectic, very tense game heading into the fourth quarter. This is typical mentality, but uh, would you have rather lost this game closely to close, or would you would you have rather lost how we lost against the Rockets? Like, what what is the preference here? <laughs> I think beating the I think the way it happened, um, just because I think the win this win and Chris Paul's shot are so iconic for the Clippers and. Yeah, I mean, I think I'd rather have that. I mean, the heartbreak of the, the Rocket series is really tough. Um, and it's certainly not fun. But at the same time, I think I'd rather just have, have this win over the Spurs. Because the Spurs were thought of as one of the teams to beat. I mean, obviously, this was Golden State's first title run year. They were just this juggernaut um, that had kind of appeared out of nowhere. 
Um, but the Spurs were running back, like you said, most of the same team from the year before, which had been seemingly one of the best, like, put-together teams of all time. And people thought they were, like, a real threat to make it all the way and maybe the best shot to dethrone the Warriors. And the Clippers beating them was a real harbinger of, of the era and of that particular era of the Spurs drawing to a close. I know they were really, really good the year after, um, but this seemed like kind of the end of, of their title run. Um, and in some ways it kind of was. So I think keeping this the way it was, was, was the best move. Yeah, uh, I agree. And so coming up, we'll try to talk about the fourth quarter in a little bit more detail. Uh, Ginobili hit a shot at a three-pointer to put the Spurs up 84-82. Then Matt Barnes had that driving dunk uh, with the Chris, with the Blake Griffin assist. That was kind of iconic, um, uh, relatively speaking. <laughs> and then the game kind of got mucked up a bit more. So this was kind of a, a slog-down version of the game in the early 90s where the Spurs almost felt like they were kind of getting – they were kind of uh, spreading away. The score was ended up being 97-92. DeAndre Jordan was getting hack Jordan and being put at the line. And then Doc Rivers finally made a decision to go small. Um, he took out Jordan and he put in uh, Mike Barnes. And that's pretty much the squad the team went with the rest of the way. It was J.J. Redick, Blake Griffin, uh, Chris Paul, Barnes, and Crawford. And they kind of changed the game because they were down 96. So when DeAndre got subbed out, it was 97-93. Blake was at the line shooting two free throws. And then Manu Ginobili was actually initially guarding J.J. Redick. And Redick hit this great three, um, which is like moving his feet and getting loose, hit a three. And then Danny Green got switched on him for a moment. And then Redick hit another three uh, to get to Lawler's Law at 100 to 99. So it was 97-92, one for two for Blake, and then DeAndre Jordan got subbed in, and the Clippers got back up 100 to 99. Uh, What were were your thoughts kind of at this five-minute mark? 97-92 is probably when I was the most nervous. Next, I think Tony Parker also hit uh, hit a a layup on a a rebounding Danny Green three. That would make me nervous because that was when the Spurs went back up last. Uh, how did you feel kind of around this time, 97, 92? Did you agree with DJ getting benched? I mean, at the time, it's hard to remember, but I think it seemed like a good idea just because the hack of DJ was proving effective. I think DJ was three for nine on free throws in this one. He just did not have it. And it was just too much of a risk, I think. And Matt Barnes was also playing excellently. Yeah. I mean, I think you could have had an argument for just having the starting lineup and not playing Jamal. Um with a better defensive lineup, but I understand, you know, Jamal Crawford is a very good free throw shooter is another option to create some offense, you know, when the going gets tough. So I understood it, you know, it's a, it's a risky move taking out, you know, this was DJ's first real breakout season is, or maybe it was the year before, but um, the first year with Doc, but I mean, he was really good that year. He was really good defensively. It was one of his best defensive seasons. Um, so I understand the move, but it was definitely risky um, and it, it really paid off because Matt Barnes was excellent. And Jamal, even though he was pretty ice cold in the second half, did make one of the biggest shots of the entire game um, with a minute to go. So I probably, at the time, I was probably nervous about it. But in retrospect, you know, very good decision. Yeah. So 
the Clippers went up 102, 101 on some Blake free throws. Blake was fantastic this game. And then there was just like an offensive rebound barrage that the Spurs went on where Tim Duncan had a, had a two-point layup and had a foul and missed the free throws. Super frustrating. Um, but then Kawhi, uh, they got another offensive board and Kawhi Leonard had a, free, had a layup from there to put them up 105, 102. Matt Barnes... Uh, had a three-point shot, which was uh, – he got open on some penetration, which was fantastic. And then the last time I was really nervous, and I was nervous throughout these last few minutes, but Tony Parker, again, had an offensive rebound. There was a great sequence where Blake Griffin had kind of a mini fast break opportunity, and Danny Green blocked him at the rim on help defense. And then mm-hmm. and yep. then the the Spurs ran out the other way, um, missed a shot, got an offensive board, kicked out to Danny Green, who missed a three pointer offensive board by Parker, two point uh, uh, tip in at the rim, essentially one hundred seven, one hundred five, Clippers timeout, and that was a nervous time, and that pretty much set for Jamal Crawford's driving layup. Mm-hmm. Now Jamal Crawford and Chris Paul and uh, Redick being all there at once kind of made it an interesting defensive lineup array now for the Spurs because I always had the idea, and this more or less stayed true, I always had the idea that Redick hit those two threes. One was on Manu and the other one was on Green. And yeah. then Hawaii got switched back onto Redick. That wasn't entirely correct because there was some scrambling offense the rest of the way. But with about two minutes, one and a half minute left, Kawhi was back on um, was back on Redick and Paul was being defended by Green. Let's see. I mean, I was always terrified of Kawhi Leonard guarding Chris Paul. But what mm-hmm. was your what was your thoughts if you were Pop? Who were you putting on Paul? Who were you putting on Redick? And who were you putting on Crawford? I mean, I think you have to put your weakest on on Jamal. Um, just, I mean, he's just not as important as JJ and not nearly as good as Chris Paul. Um, so probably Parker on Crawford. I mean, I think Danny Green also did a really good job on JJ. Um, I probably would have gone with Kawhi on, on Chris Paul just because height has bothered Chris throughout his career, at least to the extent that he can be bothered. Um, and I think, honestly, Danny Green did a pretty good job on JJ. Um, so I, I probably would have done that. But it also makes sense because, you know, JJ did hit those two big threes. Um, and J.J. Redick threes were just backbreakers when you were playing the Lob City Clippers because um, you were so concerned about Chris Paul in the mid-range and Blake Griffin, you know, doing his thing, and J.J. and D.J., you know, hanging around the rim, and then every time J.J. hit a three, it was just like, ah, like the floodgates might be opening. So I understand putting, you know, your, your all-defense, you know, defensive player of the year guy on J.J. Redick, but I do think it was a mistake. Um, as good as Danny Green is, I, I think I probably would have put Kawhi on on Chris Paul down the stretch. I, I definitely would have. And Green played well on Reddick. He had an outright block on Reddick yeah. in the first half that was impressive as hell. Yeah. That led to a transition bucket. But yeah, um, so that's pretty much what happened. At the 123 mark is when the Spurs had their last lead of the game. Jamal Crawford had a driving uh, around essentially went just across the whole floor lay up at the bus at the basket that tied the game at 107 108 109 clippers on two chris paul free throws kind of a semi-controversial play this was the play where uh paul had to open had that mid-range shot and then duncan got kind of under his legs and then they yep. called a foul 
Do you think, what, do you, what did you think of that? Now, there's some tit for tat here because the next play was kind of also controversial. But what did you think about that call in real time, Rob? I mean, I think it's a foul. I mean, Chris yeah, Paul is great at drawing those. And I understand why people would hate it, but it, it's a foul. I mean, and I also think, I think the, the Tim Duncan foul when JJ fouled him, I think that was also a foul. Like, yeah. you, you get really frustrated about them, but in the end, like, they're fouls that, that really have to be called. Yeah, I agree. And I was looking at the Duncan one again because I remember the Duncan one really incensed me live. But when I was looking at it again, I was like, yeah, I can, you could call that, especially after what happened with Paul. It's fine. Both players hit four clutch free throws representing Wake Forest very well. And to close the game, Chris Paul, well, not really, but to nearly close the game, to close it for the Clippers, Chris Paul had a driving uh, banker banking shot on the right side, mm-hmm. very similar to what the, the shot he had on Tony Allen against the Grizzlies to end game two, um, and won the game with about a second left. Blake Griffin went running in for the possible putback, and he was just on the floor. That's what I remember almost as much as Paul hitting the basket was Griffin just throwing his body recklessly at the rim in case he would miss. And that was the game, but not quite the game because a very controversial, um, I don't even know what happened, but the, the, the timer on the game clock went off accidentally and the Clippers kind of saw what, the Spurs wanted to do on the last possession and Matt Barnes kind of telegraphed it because of that. And I feel like he's on record saying that he knew what was going to happen because of this and knocked the ball out of Kawhi Leonard's hands uh, for an attempted lob at the rim to close the game for the Spurs. And Pop was very classy and didn't bitch about that moment. I would have if I was a coach, <laughs> like absolutely. But Pop was just nothing but class and gave the Clippers just a ton of respect and uh, kind of went from that. I'm pretty sure Doc would have also complained about that if he probably it was, just knowing Doc and uh, what he's done in previous playoff moments. But that was a game. Um, yeah, that game was great. Rewatching it today was like super super cool. Mm-hmm. Um, just like a really fun time. Uh, feels like so long ago, even though it was just five years. And it was just a great. It was a great game. Nothing but really good games for the most part from virtually everybody that played it. Um, which was really cool. Um, I guess Kawhi Leonard was not particularly good this game, though. He was only 5 of 13, but he still had 13 and 10, played some good defense. Um, But from the Clippers, I mean, everyone really played well. Crawford did not shoot as well in the second half, but still ended up 7 for 15 Mm -hmm. uh, for 16 points. Chris Paul was fantastic, uh, 9 for 13. Redick ended up having a pretty decent game with those threes, 5 of 11 um for 14 points Blake Griffin was 14 oh Griffin did have a triple double 14 yeah, 13 and 10 uh, Matt Barnes was 17 huge points 10 in the first quarter a huge three-pointer to close um really just the top guys all performed um DJ I guess did not um play to end the game but still had 14 huge boards especially in that first half especially in that first quarter uh the first half in general but um this was just a fun game. What What are your lasting thoughts from this game, Rob? Uh, people, I think people generally have probably figured out that I'm, you know, I'm more of a Chris Paul guy than a uh, a Blake Griffin guy. But I think this game was was really a testament to both of them, um, how good they were. Blake's ability to you know get rebounds when it counted, to make plays for others. He led the entire um, both teams in assists by a lot. I mean, he had ten. The next closest was Manu with seven, and then C 
CP with six. Um, he was behind only DJ in rebounds. He had 13. Um, efficient from the field. Also a great free throw shooting performance, 10 for 11. Yeah. Um, really, really clutch free throws from Blake. And, yeah, I mean, I think this is a really good late, you know, mid to late Clippers Blake Griffin performance where he was really able to do a lot of things. He had, you know, some really ac- athletic, acrobatic finishes, but just a lot of playmaking, some ball handling, uh, much better free throw shooting, just really good. Um, and Chris Paul, I mean, just probably the Pantheon Chris Paul game maybe. Um, certainly not his most spectacular performance, but one of his most efficient, um, you know, 27 points on 13 shots, made all four of his free throws, five of six from three, um, only six assists, but only one turnover, which considering the amount of time he had the ball in his hands is pretty remarkable. Um, good defense considering, you know, he's playing with a bad hamstring and just the, uh, the grit to finish it out and, and tough it out, even though he was clearly playing pretty injured. Um, just really, those are, those are the kind of games that, you know, I think Clippers fans will remember those guys by, but like you said, it was, it was a really strong performance from, um, JJ in the end. He had those two huge threes in the fourth and ultimately like that's what JJ Redick is for is for hitting big threes. Um, DJ kind of played off a little bit, but had those rebounds and really maybe the all time best Matt Barnes game. I mean, I'm sure he had better statistical games. Um, but really an encapsulation of what Matt Barnes brought to the Clippers, you know, somewhat inconsistent three-point shooting, but he could hit them. The energy, the defense, the rebounding, um, just really, really good for Matt Barnes. And Jamal, the classic yin and yang, had some huge shots, had some awful defense, some really bad turnovers. Um, but, yeah, I mean, what's crazy about this game, and you can see the seeds for the Rocket series, is how much these guys all played. Um, Matt Barnes was the only starter who played under 30 minutes. JJ and Blake were both over 40. CP was 37 on a bum hamstring. Even Jamal had 32. I mean, the Clippers played 10 guys, but Dante Jones only played for like a few seconds. Perkaglu, I barely even remember. He was in the game for like two and a half minutes. Um, and like, it was just, the, the Clippers starters were gassed by the end of the series. And then, I mean, down the stretch in the Rocket series, you could really tell me these guys were just all out of energy. Um, and they needed all of that to win this game and the series, but it's it's crazy how much they played. Um, yeah, it was it took every bit to win this game, but it was really it was really a standout game for so many Clippers. Um, maybe not DJ because even though he was good, it was you know the free throw shooting was really bad. Um, but really, for a lot of other guys, this is exactly what you'd want their their Clippers careers to be remembered by. Yeah, uh, the Clippers played every other day for their whole 2015 run. They had one game, one day off, and they played the Rockets the day after. And so they played, you know, they had no rest at all, which is criminal, really. Um, and I think that's something that the NBA won't do again um, to a playoff team. Might, it might have even been from this series because the Clippers were just gassed um, to close and lost that next series. Yeah, I mean, this was just, this was just kind of a classic classic series and everybody played well red like you mentioned reddick played well this is probably peak blake griffin as sad as it is as it is to say um, yeah probably yeah i mean 
it's it's unfortunate between this and probably the next two Rockets games was probably the pinnacle of his career. And probably the next two Rockets game was like peak, peak Blake because I was point Blake unleashed, no Chris Paul, mm-hmm. one game one. Was really, we're really in control of game two, a good chunk of it. Uh, but then let that one slip. Um, and Blake was just fantastic this series. You know, there was a point where Blake probably looked like the – second maybe the second best player in the playoffs during this the next series like Nick next to LeBron like he was he was amazing and it's it's really unfortunate that uh it's really unfortunate that Blake Griffin really didn't get better than this playoff run because he was really a spectacle I think people will underrate his career going forward um really quiet 27 points for Chris Paul kind of crazy I think he had 27 only 13 shots mm-hmm. uh, really was calculated with every shot he took because yep. he got injured so early um yeah I think this I mean, is like a this was like a good precursor game for Rockets Chris Paul where lots of threes not as many free throws like didn't get like to the rim that much but a lot of jump shots that he just very picked his time and picked a spot and just kind of methodical um, even more than in his early Clippers career, um, where he was already lost a step from the surgery from his New Orleans days. But um, you can noticeably tell he was slowing down during this time with the Clippers. But this is a very good example of kind of mid-late career Chris Paul. Um, but yeah, definitely definitely kind of quiet. It's crazy that he led both teams in scoring. He tied with Tim Duncan, which was, this is also an incredible Tim Duncan game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it was it was just a it was a great game. It was it was great to to watch it. Um, and yeah, I mean, this is this is a classic. It really is. Yeah, it's really a great game. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I, I don't really have too much more to say about the game. It was just filled with emotion. When I'm just looking at the box score. I mean, the biggest things that I, rem- I remember are just Chris Paul's classic performance. Blake Griffin kind of had an understated triple double, where he was just really in control of himself the whole game. Uh, Barnes hit some really had with some heat checks early on in the game and hit some huge yep. shots to close. Reddick's huge threes that really swung the game. The decision to bring back Barnes and bench DJ to close. Yep. Um, and just a great Spurs team. Just like that team was so balanced. And even though they were old and probably losing a little bit of a step, they were so intimidating. Uh, I was really afraid Kawhi was going to become the Kawhi he became, you know, later in his career. Especially, you know, you know that late playoff run against the Grizzlies and the and the Spurs, and the, and the Warriors. But he wasn't quite superstar Kawhi. But he, you know, if he was, he <laughs> they would have beaten us in six. Um, but I was like constantly terrified of him. I had no idea he would ever become a Clipper for sure at this time. Um, I love Diao. I love their team. They just had a really fun, just well-balanced, smart, heady team. Bellinelli was always a notorious Clipper killer. He mm-hmm. was not He was not this game, but he was the previous one. So he was always somebody I was scared of. Patty Mills has always been a Clipper killer, too. He only had a couple of shots. So I guess, you know, everybody played pretty well, but those two guys did not. Manu Ginobili also did not play well. So their bench outside of Diao didn't play particularly well, which, which was fortunate for us. But uh, this was a great game. Um, this was a really, really fun game, and I'll always remember it. Yeah, yeah, it was it was incredible. Um, definitely the peak of of the Clippers Lob City era. I think you know you could argue this, and then also the Warriors series the year before. Um, yeah, are really the two series that I think Clippers fans will 
when they're remembering the good of Lob City, we'll remember those. This is, you know, maybe that first series against the Grizzlies as well, but that was that was early on. Um, but it's it's really just it's disappointing what happened next. But again, you can kind of see that developing here with just how much these guys were playing, how beaten up Chris Paul was. Um, and yeah, I mean, Blake was just playing so many minutes and playing so hard as Blake Griffin did. Um, it was just tough to sustain for him. And we all know what happens next, but for, for this day, um, the Clippers were kind of the talk of the NBA and kind of the talk of, of sports media in general. Like you said, it was a huge night because it was also Pacquiao Mayweather. Um, and I remember at the time, Bill Simmons, who was at Grantland, I think, and was still writing, actually, wrote about how he chose to go to Clippers Spurs and how that was a good choice. It was just this huge, huge game. I mean, I don't know what the ratings were, but I'm sure it was massive. Um, just a, a really cla- classic. I think it might be the best and, and highest quality first round NBA series of all time. Um, and I'd like to do a full rewatch um, at some point just to see all the ins and outs of it. But just an incredible game with so many just incredible players. I mean, when you think about all the Hall of Flame famers that were playing in this, you know, the Spurs have Kawhi, you have Tim Duncan, you have Tony Parker, um, you have Manu Ginobili, they have four. Um, and, you know, certainly several of them a little past their primes and Kawhi a little bit before, but all of them are still quite good. Um, and then, you know, on the Clippers, you have Blake, you have Chris Paul, um, you have kind of peak JJ, you have peak DJ. Um, you know, I don't think JJ will make the Hall of Fame. I think DeAndre Jordan is kind of a sneaky Hall of Fame candidate, depending on what he does um, the next few years in his career. Yeah, but how many, many first-team All-NBA players have not made the Hall, I wonder? Yeah. I mean, he, he was first-team All-NBA one year. It's crazy to think He was first-team All-NBA. He had a couple second and third teams. He had was a couple All-Defense. He has a lot of accolades. Um, he does. And, I mean, he's going to be, you know, if he keeps playing decent minutes for the next few years, he's going to be – you know, pretty high up there on like all-time rebound lists. Um, he has a, he's he's gonna have a sneaky hit chance. I think, you know, depending on what happens with his yeah. Nets career. Yeah. Um, he he, I, I wouldn't bet on him making the hall, um, but he could, and I think Blake probably will end up. And obviously, Chris Paul is the first ballot. So I mean, you're looking at probably seven Hall of Fame players, all of them playing a lot of minutes, still playing at a high level in the first round of the playoffs. Pretty pretty crazy. Yeah, really, really fantastic series. Um, this was also the year where the Clippers, for like one day, had the had the lot uh, the Vegas odds to win the t- championship because yep. they were up three one, and uh, the Cavs and the Warriors were both down one two in their respective series against the Bulls and the Memphis Grizzlies. So yeah, that that <laughs> that happened for for a hot minute. Um, that went away quite quickly. But <laughs> this was a great team. I, I mean, I feel I feel really bad talking about what happened in the next series. I don't think they would have been the Warriors. I don't think it would have been particularly close. So that's always my coup de grace as far as, you know, mourning the 2015 Los Angeles Clippers and the Lob City Los Angeles Clippers. I think the most talented team was, was, the, uh, was the Carlson year that lost to the OKC Thunder. But, you know, this was a really good team. This was probably maybe as good as Blake and Chris were at the same time. But then you have to remember the hamstring injury kind of took down Chris down a peg, even though he looked good in the Rocket series. I don't think he was ever quite the same. And it's hard to say that he would have lasted another two rounds. Really, really unfortunate. Um, 
but yeah, I think that'll do it. I mean, I'm going to mention some shout outs really quick because I don't know when we're going to do our next episode, but I'm going to just shout out the Patreon list. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for contributing. Uh, since we've made our move to two and three hoops, uh, I just want to mention everybody, Chester Nag, Anthony Garcia, Garrett Lerner, Jesse Beer, Rob Diaz, Johnny Walker, um, Andrew Opelas, uh, Twisted Rister, of course, Tyler Kenny, Travis Higgins, Richard Moon, Jared Brenner, uh, Vincent Yanigita, uh, Chris Machado, Chris uh, Ascara, Daniel uh, Schwedfeger, Charlie Fu, Yagnish Avangama, Jen, James McIntosh, Naren Samasundaram, uh, Meg Smith, June Park, Johnson, Joey's Smoking Barbecue, David Hong, and Ronald Pang. Thanks so much. Thanks so much. Thanks so much. Um, I think that will do it for this episode. Anything you want to say, Rob, before we go? Not really. Just, you know, for people still listening, thank you for listening. And, um, you know, hopefully we'll have some more content out soon. It's been really tough to write about the NBA without any NBA stuff. Um, just, you know, a very stressful time. It's been hard to write for me in general. And I'm sure for a lot of other people, it's just like hard to really care and think about sports at, at all in this period. Um, but, you know, hopefully there will be some writing up pretty soon and maybe even some more podcasts and more stuff like this. So um, hopefully we can get some content going back out and uh, we'll see what the NBA's uh, restructuring plan is, is like here. But for now, um, let's bask in the glory once more of, of this game seven. Yeah, everyone. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, everyone. Social distance. Stay home if you can. Um, just stay safe. Stay healthy. We'll get through this. It's just going to be a bit of a go, a bit of a long haul. And listen to doctors and scientists, please. Uh, And as always, go Clippers!